Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So, welcome everybody to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentology podcast. And today we are so fortunate. We have an absolute legend joining us. It's Drew Shah. And Drew is a specialist periodontist, the founder of Dentinal Tubals, and a philanthropist. Welcome, Drew. How are you doing? Oh, thanks very much. I, Hi, I just Drew. knew that I was on the right podcast here. You called, you said legend. Oh, um, I think I think you misread that. I think he said legend because yeah, obviously of your that. Achilles issue. I think that's, that's right, where he sort of got confused. <laughs> Thanks, that makes sense. Thank you for that. <laughs> poor, poor Drew's re- recovering from a from an Achilles injury, so that's where the the legend, as opposed to what he really is, which is a legend, yeah. kicked in. <laughs> but we won't ask you, Drew, how you did it because obviously it was a, a serious sporting injury. Oh, massive. I was actually, I'm a professional dancer and I was dancing at the work Christmas party, uh, fully, fully, fully inebriated with glasses of water, dancing to Punjabi MC. And uh, for those listening, if you don't know your Bhangra well, try not to do it inebriated with water. (laughs) 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 The truth is, you know, I was a runner actually, and uh, I used to run between 15 and 20 miles a day at one point. And, um, Unfortunately, it's it's not helped uh, things later down the line. Injuries galore. This is one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of talk, isn't there? That I don't think running is actually like long distance running is particularly good for the human body. I think the impact on joints and the toll it takes on your body. Um, I, think I think any intense sports. You yeah. Know, you think I? So I used to do a lot of swimming, Drew. I would swim training probably four hours a day, something like that. You know, yeah. two hours beginning, two hours end, and then gym. And basically, my body's knackered. You know, my joints are worn out, all those bits. And I think they say, you know, you you end up putting your body through so much that yeah. ultimately you then end up paying for it. If you're not Guys, careful. we're going to have to move on. We're going to have to retitle this the Old Blokes Health Podcast. <laughs> and we're going to lose listeners. But, but I've got to say one thing here, and I've got to say quite clearly, whether it's uh, sports or whatever, you know, you've got to push your body or you've got to push your mind to the limits. You know, yes. What's the point of uh, ending up on the other side? Uh, not having used yourself up just push it to the limit end of the day oh it's yeah. what it is you've got to be thoroughly used up when you finish off and make sure yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to finish your life worn out yeah. in, in every sense yeah. of the word isn't it so yeah you know that that's the way i look at it yeah so you're you're a well-known figure through dentistry um, as the the passionate leader and founder of, of dentinal tubals but before we get to that um can you set the scene? Who, who's Drew Shaw? How did it all start for you? What, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? How did you find your pathway into dentistry? What was the beginning? Drew, Drew Shaw's uh, lost soul, still trying to figure out his existence. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my growing up, um, I grew up in Kenya, in, in Africa. And, uh, you know, it was very oh, interesting because I, I grew up in a community, uh, a very, in Nairobi was a very small community. And when I say small, most people know what's going on on the other side. It was a very connected place. And uh, part of that was perhaps why I'm always driven by community. But also it was very interesting because you grew up in a place where you there was almost a, a very strong trust and, and support network in that community. People always looked after each other. People always uh, enjoyed putting their, uh, you know, their, themselves in front to for the benefit of others at some level. Um, 
and in that community, and that's perhaps you know some of the things that drew me along. What I was most uh, interested always was I went to school, and some people think I was a really bright lad, uh, just studying wise. But I absolutely didn't enjoy school. I enjoyed what happened after school, all the fun, the games, and I learned things like chess. So I was uh, the under fourteen Kenya national junior chess champion. When wow, wow. I, I've never played chess beyond that. But what I learned and got out of that was strategic thinking. You know how you move two pawns yeah. to the left to capture the king on the right, or so part of this. You know, every little part of my journey seems to us to be unraveling now and thinking, yeah, this is why I who I am. Yeah. Now, growing up in Kenya was really cool. And 1998, I remember this clearly. Actually, 8th August 1998, I came to the UK uh, to study dentistry. And as an international student, and I landed. Did you come, did you come alone, Drew? Did you come with any family or come on your own? No, I came on my own as a as a bright eighteen year old. Uh, so I'd been to the UK when I was very young, um, probably when I was six or seven, something like that. And then I came six months before this date to do some interviews at a couple of universities, and that had been my great British experience before entering on the eighth August. But I tell you what, first time I landed in this country, eighth August in the morning. Now I'm at the airport and I present my Kenyan passport to the customs. Now, just the day before, in the morning, on the 7th August in Nairobi, I got my visa, and at lunchtime I booked my ticket. Um, you know, pulled out a suitcase, chucked whatever existed in my room in there, and literally go on the flight. So in 24 hours, the decision from, are you going to go to study to flying to the UK? Now I landed wow. at the airport, and uh, the immigration's asking all these questions and two hours and thinking, what the hell's going on here? You know, I said, this country is really strict with the entrance. Didn't realize anything. And uh, and then my uncle picks me up and we go to the house. And that's when I first watched the television. Literally on 7th August, I'd landed on the 8th. On 7th August at night, uh, something must have happened. But there was actually a terrorist attack in Kenya. And some people had uh, knocked out oh, wow. the American embassy, which uh, was a famous incident. So yeah. <laughs> these people at the airport must have thought I'm one of the accomplices. I promised to God I wasn't. And uh, <laughs> that rumor has been cleared completely, <laughs> but it was just an wow. experience. Um, I then spent, uh, I, I went to Sheffield University and uh, really interesting because I learned another thing. In the UK, when the sun is shining outside, that is not a sign that is warm. It's fucking cold out there. Pardon my friends. <laughs> I should say that. It's cold. And, uh, Especially so, coming from Kenya. It yeah, must yeah. have been bit quite of a difference, shock. Bit of a variance, I was yeah. going to say, York, Yorkshire is not known for its fabulous weather. No. In fact, Seven Hills of Sheffield and the rain. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a great introduction to learning about life and culture in a different country, different place. Mm. And then uh, I was paying international fees. And um, I've said this story many times, but in essence, uh, in the third year, my dad dropped me a message saying family money's been wiped out. We're not sure how we're going to put you through your education. And the talk was about me packing my bags and going back to Kenya. But uh, wow. the person I was, I said, no, we've got to find a way. So it was dental school at night. Um, it was working, you know, at uh, shoe shops, burger bars, chocolate shops, flyer drops, you name it. I've done it all. And uh, I mean, it was it was mental. I was living on a budget of 20 or 30 quid a week as a student, um, including paying rent and bills and everything else. And yeah. there were days when I probably didn't have proper food. Now, there was this mm. uh, news agent who stayed uh, beneath um, where the student house was, where we were. And in the student house, 
I lived in a room right in the attic and I said to everyone else, you pay more rent because I'm in the attic in this little place where you can barely walk in. You have to duck and go in. I'm going to pay less rent. So it's a money-saving uh, you know, tactic as well. But this new agent used to sell me four packs of uh, Maryland double chocolate chip cookies for a pound. Four massive packs. So I'd have a pack, a little bit for breakfast, a little bit for lunch, a little bit for dinner, you know, that. And then I'd go to work in Meadow Hall. Wow. And, there, and then come back at night and finish it. So, I mean, invariably, it would be nice, Sandy and Chris, uh, if we could get Maryland double chocolate chip cookies to uh, sponsor this podcast at some point. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, Drew, do you still like them or is it a bit like, oh, not another double chocolate cookie? You know what? If there's one thing in life I enjoy, it's biscuits. I've been told I need to step off them, um, especially with this Achilles damage, but biscuits... Uh, <laughs> Biscuits got me through learning. Biscuits got me through my education to my dental degree. And I tell you what, biscuits will get me through life. What a slogan. Biscuits get you through life. There but, we go. but what's interesting, Drew, is it's a great story because there, there'll be loads of... We get quite a lot of young people listening to this. And there'll be a lot of people at dental school or thinking about going to dentistry or foundation dentists who will have their own hardships. But to hear your story of literally having to live on biscuits to where you are now you know it kind of creates hope doesn't it because people tend not to dig into the backstories all you ever see is the instagram version of what someone's mm. living today you don't see that 10 15 20 years ago before but that is such an important part because when you understand that it then gives you a sense of who that person is and just that little story in itself kind of gives me a better insight as to why you're so driven and why you're so passionate and how you're pushing so mm. hard with the things that you're trying to achieve. It's getting on with it, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, it's a characteristic of virtually all of these podcasts that we've done. There, Everybody basically just gets on with stuff. You know, it's a roll your sleeves up, face what you've got and just get on with it. You know, yours was four Maryland packets of cookies for a, a pound. Actually, it's a very good deal, actually, isn't it? It's very good. i tell you what, I, that was the best deal I've ever had. Um, well, there were a few other good deals, but that was one of the best ones, I think. You know what, Andy, actually, this does tell us, if you really want to test your limits, push them. Put yourself mm. in situations, because you're never, you know, human potential is, is phenomenal. We, When we're put into difficult positions, when we're put into adverse situations, whatever, we find our true potential. We find that resource we never thought we had. Mm. And I think people need to step in and do that. And, and not hope yeah. for the road to clear in front of them. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. Are you what 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 drives you, Drew? I, I was reading something a little while ago about um, the things that drive people. It's either demons or passion. So somebody like um, Eddie Hearn, the boxing promoter, he's yeah. driven by the demon to be better than his dad. That's the thing that every day he gets up, <laughs> he's got this thing chasing him down the road, which is his dad, and he has to be better than his dad. And other people are driven by the passion, which is kind of by your own measurement. What, what's the thing that kind of gets you out of out of bed hobbling with your Achilles every morning? <laughs> <laughs> what makes me jump out of bed, actually? It is. Is it, is it a passionate, de you know, passionate demon or is it demonic passion? Um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting question because that experience that I had in dental school put, put my first vision about education to the world. Nobody should ever, you know, have these challenges. We, we need to find mm. a way in which everyone has access to education. It's a powerful tool. Yeah. But beyond education, there's something else that happened. Because I went through all these journeys, you know, part of it after graduating as a dentist. Um, I, was a, I was a foreign national then, and, and, and the UK wouldn't allow me to do what's known as VT or foundation dentistry as it's known now. And we had to think out of the box again. And uh, oh, I ended that's up interesting. In a, 
place called Welshpool because um, Welshpool is in mid Wales because the Welsh deanery uh, facilitated that. It basically became a case of you guys need dentists. I need a job. There's a shortage of dentists. Mm. Let's sort this out. And there was a group of us who were the first um, people to get Welsh parliamentary approval to do VT wow. for two years. So I remember the Welsh dean sort of picking the phone up to me and saying, you've got the uh, you've got the place, but there's a condition. I said, what is it? You'll have to stay there for two years. I said, no problem. And you'll have to show evidence of postgraduate education. I said, no problem. You'll pay for my exams. And they, they agreed that. So I ended up in Welsh. Wow. Now, that was fun. Three amazing years. In the middle of nowhere, I sort of end up in this street, you know, where the Welsh book basically at that point had a population of about 15,000, lots of villages around. Um, the practice itself, uh, eight surgeries, and it had, I don't know, 30,000 patients on the list, something big, and, and, and serving the community. 15 pubs, all sorts of fun things uh, in there. And, and, you know, I just loved the life, made me great. I then came to the UK, uh, to, to London, sorry, to do hospital jobs after three years, did my restorative, etc. jobs, and then going to specialty training in, uh, in periodontics. And despite the institution, I was at King's College London, guys, having some of the best educators in the world, you know, people who a lot of people admired to or, or respected, I lost all inspiration in dentistry. I just went, this is too institutionalized. Jesus, people are thinking in the box. I'm out. So after all this journey, wow. I was close to quitting. So that's when I started Tubules. And Tubules connected me with some of the most enthusiastic, energetic, extremely talented dental professionals around the world. And that brought back my zest with dentistry. Hmm. Now, so... Two things that drive me massively now are education to the world, but the second thing that I think has become the flavor is beyond education, helping people find their spark so that that fire is lit in the, within them, and then mm. it's driven. They're not getting out of bed because there's a fire under their bum, they're getting out of bed because there's a fire in their belly. And if we can help mm. people with that, it just creates that vibrancy. And ultimately, it's that's become my mission, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's mm. interesting that you were doing your your um, your masters in periodontics at Kings, and and that was the thing that almost made you stop in your tracks in terms of what dentistry meant to you. So, if you've got you 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 you're on the edge of a edge of a plank, and yeah. if you go if you go left, you've got clinical dentistry, or if you go right, you've got educating and elevating others, and you've got to make a choice. Which which way would you go? Do you know what? I will answer that clearly now. I'll go right. And I'll tell you what mm. happened. You know, it's, it's confirmed this because uh, remember, when I, when I grew up in Kenya in this small community, there was one big thing. And this is important. We all think about success, right? And the end, success, if I say someone's successful, we're talking about how amazing they are, how, how much status they have, how much they've achieved, all of this stuff. Um, and I was completely driven by this mindset of success that was put in my head. But in 2017, uh, tubules was perhaps a handful of days from closure. Now, when I started Tubules in 2009 um, and basically invested anything I had into it, continued with my master's, continued working, and uh, got married about the same time. So, And I was sleeping two hours a night. And for eight years, as I built dentinal tubules, um, I was carrying on with this routine, Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday. And most people go, how the frig do you survive in two hours mm. a night? Even I, I wondered how, but you do it. When things happen, I say, you know, human potential, we underestimate our resource. But 
in, after all this and putting my badge to the wall, you know, calling myself a tubulite, others, you know, building this community, serving others. We were five days from closure in tubules in 2017. And from there, having had to think out of the box, having had to think different, having had to, you know, be as resourceful, not only survived the company, but brought it to where it is now. And mm. one big lesson that came out of that, one big lesson that I felt everyone should think, and the question was, who the frig am I? The question was asking me that this company might be gone. I almost, you know, I gave up as well. The question was, Drew, would you do this again? I said, of course I would. What? After all that little voice saying, what? After all that pain you went through, after all that challenges you went through, the lack of sleep, the sacrifices. I said, yeah, I would. And that's when I realized what I loved doing the most was getting up every morning, helping people find the best versions. I love walking people you know, get to a level of success. More than success, there's another word we have to find, and I think that word is flourish. We want people to mm. flourish. Because when you succeed, it's status. It's a one-off. But flourishing is when you're not just succeeding, you're succeeding at what you believe in, you're expressing what you stand for, and you're freaking grateful, happy, energized by mm. it every morning. That's the inspiration mm. that you want. That's, that's, so I would go right away for that. Yeah, uh, we do a couple of courses and I want, one of the things we talk about is success. And we said, you know, everyone's sort of definition of success mm -hmm. should be different because the, the most common one is the fact of, as you say, status, wealth or whatever. But actually, it might be that you spend two weeks out of every four on holiday <laughs> or you spend all your time at home Helping with your others, family yeah. or you, you know, or you you know you're in charity or whatever and and that's success as much as mm. status and money but that that seems to be where people's mostly calibrate their success is all oh, i've got to be well known i've got to have a load a nice car loads of money whatever it's, yeah it's a very fascinating one i think it flourishes a great it's good actually yeah, I, think I mean it's, that's it's, that's um, staggering. To, uh, sorry, I was just thinking it's staggering to think at 2017 it was on the brink of going, and then you think that where you've got to with the Congress, which I came to in Brighton, you know, yes. with all those hundreds of people now in that in that room enjoying that event. It's you know what it's uh, it's rewarding, and uh, I did a talk about that 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 scary moment at some level on the director's day, but it once you find who you are, what you stand for. Mm. I just feel what you do is a different level of empowering. And uh, mm. perhaps when you came to Brighton, you saw that big sign of tubules wood on there. Yeah. I think it, it was a symbol of more than anything else. Life's moving. You are the star. <coughs> of the just be your authentic actor. Just be who you are. I think mm. who you are, yeah. what you stand for really comes out as strength there. And I think you're right, and I think for so many people, they don't spend enough time thinking about who they are and what they're mm, about, yeah. and they almost kind of just become a, a watered-down version of themselves, or worse still, they try and emulate somebody else, which is so uncomfortable to watch. Or I think they don't really know who they are. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people have no idea, have they? They've never really ever tried to work out who they are so they don't know what they can do i think it's a mm. it's a real interesting one because you say people gauge themselves on other people they don't necessarily understand themselves um i always remember what's that thing is what's it when you go to alcoholics anonymous anonymous or something you know the, the first thing is you have to accept 
who you are as an alcoholic because otherwise mm. you'll never ever change you'll never and I think it's a bit that. like understanding who you are yeah. not that I've been to Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous I hasten my, my to name add. is Drew and I like Maryland chocolate chip cookies yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> my name's Chris and I'm quite partial to Norio <laughs> so you but, but on the back of the uh, as I say on the back of the dentinal tubules you've also created the tubules foundation as well yes. which you give three percent of income um to you know charitable and, and good causes which when you say three percent of income you kind of gloss over it but for anyone who's in business they will find that almost unbelievable that this isn't three percent of profit this is this is the top line income that you put aside for good causes why, why was that so important to you I think, you know, when, when I said my mission is going to be education to the world, as I said in, um, you know, that point, and I, I just thought I'm going to find a way somewhere. And uh, in 2017, <laughs> as we come out of this uh, this chaos of the company nearly shutting down, I, I thought, you know what, you've got to stand by it. And I committed 3% of all income to the foundation. Now, over the last 12 months, we've had to reduce it to 1% because, as you correctly put it, three uh, percent has put a massive toll on the company you know? mm. that's in essence so, so drew so drew just just winding back so at your lowest yeah. point in 2017 that was when you decided to commit three percent of revenue yeah that's correct just um basically the point <laughs> being if shit's gonna hit the fan i might as well go yeah. out flying um did you just did you just think karma karma's gonna come if i'm doing this it's no, gonna pay no, it's gonna pay benefits now i think something very different happens here because uh, when you commit to helping others when you say no matter what happens to me i'm mm. gonna make it happen mm. for others i promise to god you will make it happen for you because it's no longer about you it's about others and others are relying on that and i'm, I'm not even gonna yeah. deny it. there were difficult times when i couldn't we couldn't pay those three percent straight away and we had to kind of yeah. put an iou to the foundation and uh, mm. in that we lost friends and we lost colleagues but in essence we stayed true to the commitment we kept our you know payments up sooner or later and to finish that off just last summer the entire school library building in boy has just been built the tubules foundation wow. all about education to little children around the world where they don't have educational facilities. The library's mm. furniture is going on, the final bits as we speak, and we hope that in the next few months it's going to be a fully operational library in Boy, Kenya, serving students and, and in the school and serving the local community. We've also put internet um, in there and computers, and we hope to deliver outside-the-box education to them. Mm. Going back to the very beginning, when you're talking about the importance of community at home, that must be a great feeling for you to be able to... You know, leave as a young man coming to Sheffield in the cold and the wet and the rain and doing your dentistry and those years later be able to take something back to that local community? I think it's very rewarding. Uh, interestingly, that town is where um, my wife's family come from and they were visiting Kenya just a few weeks ago. I wasn't there, but my son was taken to that school. And uh, the wow. full circle, your dad left the country, but to see the second generation kind of seeing this, mm. and I said, you know, I said to my wife, you've got to teach him the value of contribution towards others' causes and others' life. Yeah, definitely. While he's there. Definitely. Mm. So I agree. How hard it yeah. massively. Um, yeah. And that keeps the hunger alive. You've got to have undying hunger. And the hunger drives us. And, and, and mm. so, you know, now I've got to keep the company safe. 
the foundation has enough money to have built this school and enough to probably fund a second school. So over the next couple of years, dental tubules can reduce a commitment just to be able to, you know, get the company back on hold. And then we'll think how we return back to 3%. Mm. Um, mm. That's what drives me. Yeah. Wow. And when when you were saying about that lowest dev in 2017 and you decided to then make that, that the foundation, that commitment, it, there's a parallel with when lockdown hit in March 2020, um, you really did double down on the online content that you were delivering to the dental community. You really revved it up big time. Was that a similar thought process was it was it you know because i know that we continue to work all the way through and our view was there's dentists out there that need help they need information we haven't got all the answers but we'll just do our best to share that and for us it was a it was a really good time it kept us busy it kept us visible did you did you approach that in the same way was it that you wanted to be very front foot and available for dentists because i mean i think we we kind of worked together on a few bits at that time but you put out so much content over a six to nine month period it was it was backbreaking, but it was a similar thought. There are number one, there were dentists who kind of went, "What the hell's going on?" They were lost, and he said, mm-hmm. "Give them a beacon of yeah. light. Give them a pillar to stand on." Number two, there were dentists going, "You know, we have no guidance, whatever." And and we said, "You know what? We've got to give them some t- some some road that they can follow." And number three, there was nobody that I found in dentistry as organizations stepping up and going, "Guys, we need to do this." So I rallied my team up. And it was the same thought process saying, doesn't matter. Put this out, put it out to all the dentists for free, build another section on the website for free. We even put out free membership for, I think, two months for anybody who wanted it. About a few hundred practice signed up. But whatever happened, we went, we've got to find the people who can deliver this knowledge, who can guide these people, who can support the community. Because ultimately, it's not about tubules. It's not about you or me. It's about empowering others to get to the other side of this difficult chain. Two years Mm. on, we're continuing to deliver that content. Mm. Mm. And it's funny because obviously once things started to open up, you talk to people about how was your lockdown experience, blah, blah, blah. And I had a number of people that cited the Dentinal Tubal's webinars as being something that they were chewing in on a weekly basis, which kept them connected with the profession. It was valuable information. I I think it did. I I think the way it kind of reached out to the profession was fabulous. It's a very solitary profession, isn't it, dentistry, in, in most yeah. cases. You're, you know, you're the principal, and who do you share it with? You, know, you're, you don't really want to share it with your staff. You might not share it with your yeah. associates. And you, you, the, the tricky bit is quite often your partner, you know, your, your, mm. your, your family partner, they just don't get it really either anyway. So you sort of are almost a little bit of an island. So to have that where people could, you know, connect, I think is amazing. It was, uh, it was, we did the same thing, you know, just getting hold of information, shoving it out because it's up to them if they read it, but we didn't want them to feel alone. Same as, same as you drew, you know, you'd be supported. Yeah, I think you're right. And and what you guys did was extremely important. Because remember, at that time, you know, there were practice practice owners thinking, how are we going to pay our staff? This practice had been shut down for months. Mm. And um, there was no real financial support at one point. And that uncertainty, you know, we're creatures of certainty. And that situation Mm. of uncertainty is is scary. And in there, our job as a professional, I mean, there were so many people who I, I felt in dentistry normally have a voice, a huge voice, whether it's Instagram, social media. I went, where are you? Because this is when the dental community mm. needs you to deliver certainty and certainty. Yeah. 
And I thought, you know what, to our team, there was guys like Zach Cara who was on every night. I mean, doing this every day, getting the speakers, arranging them, doing Zoom rehearsals, this, that. At the same mm. time, schools are shut down, so I've got my little one at home. All sorts of things going on, but I, we've got mm. to deliver something for others. It's hugely important. So you're right. What, what we all did is what is needed. That's how you get yeah. through hard times and good times. On on that point, Joe, and how do you how do you get through all this? How do you fit in the amount that you do? And I know you said you know you you, you used to sleep for two hours a day, a very but, good juggler. But you get so much done. Are you are you incredibly organised? Are you a great delegator? Do you just have this insatiable appetite to just eat so much work? What what what's the the, the, the magic sauce? Because you just whenever I talk to you about a book, you've always read it. Whenever I, I ask you something, you know the answer. It's like the guy just soaks information up. How how do you fit it all in? Tea and biscuits. <laughs> yeah. sure that's, that's what I, think, I think Chris has given you the answer. Always do the <laughs> Maryland double chocolate chip cookie. Um, <laughs> Our sponsor, of course. <laughs> <Our> sponsor. <laughs> we should reach out. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing here is that I, am, I was a very poor delegate, but I was a very hard worker. And um, so, so, so I have become a much better delegator. And I have a very, very trusty, strong, solid team around me. But the team believe in the same vision and the values that I do. So that culture becomes strong. So that enables me to be able to do things at a different level. I think the second thing is I'm just hungry for knowledge. I believe in what I say. You know, when I deliver top quality content on tubules, not just another CPD thing, it is because I am who I, you know, again, I, I do what I stand for. I'm a learner. I'm a constant learner. And uh, I like reading. I, I almost uh, put two hours a day to reading sometimes. Uh, it's the, it's the wow. nature of how I create the beast. Um, the third bit is hunger, you know, Chris and Andy. It's hunger. I, mm. What I want to achieve is tubulize 2 billion people around the world. Well, that ain't going to happen if I just sit around. So I believe that all of these things put together. One of the other things I've learned over the last perhaps two years with COVID is the power of a, a, a powerful no, because I genuinely used to connect and help and talk with a lot of people, but time is becoming so difficult because of all the things. And I have to politely say no to people, but say say yes at the same time. So it's about amplifying myself. So, for example, mm. uh, I used to get lots of people going through, uh, can I have advice on how I get better and improve my private dentistry? And normally I'd pick the phone up and do things. Now I have resources. I say, here is a link. Listen to this. This is my message that may help you. So all of these mm. little strategies have just helped me to do things. Now, although I get lots done, I, there's a lot of things I don't do as well. Um, it's about focus. I I have this uh, focus prioritization filter I created kind of thing. So every task that comes in, every job that comes in, I put it through and go, is this really the thing that's important right now? Or can it be put back? It's the only way I can manage it. But that's how I probably try and get through a lot of this. Those probably five steps. I think what's interesting is I think because Drew is you're you're so clear on your purpose, it's one I think it's it's inspiring and invigorating to work towards something that you're so passionate about. But that last point you made, I think it makes it much easier to know whether those the things you're being asked to do are taking mm. you towards that or away from it, mm. which makes it much easier to take a decision on whether you should I'll be. Tell doing you what, I love like the that. phrase focus filter. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I love that phrase. I say, hey, well, what's your focus? Now filter it. Because people have to-do lists, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yes. but sometimes they're just, they're just lists of things to do. They don't necessarily work out what are the key things to do. They just go, oh, I've got a long list. And then it just becomes demoralising. I think it's quite an interesting... This whole time management thing of what people do. Yeah. Uh, people who are good at it either have learnt it or are just good at it. And, and the people who aren't just think they're never going to learn it. They just yeah. think they're disorganised. And I think it's a, a real learning that to says to people, if you want to achieve something, you have got to sort of try and get your handle on, on yeah. focus and timing. But, but you're also quite balanced. So how, how do you relax? What well, do you, not what at the do moment. You, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what do you do to wind down and relax? Because you can't just operate at this, this level of intensity all the time because you just burn out. I'm always relaxing because I'm doing what I love. Um, that's part of the game, you know. I mean, yeah. you might you might see it on screen. Those listening might not. Those are the books. That's my relaxation over the last God knows year or two, really. And um, so I'll read those books, for example. Um, and, and reading relaxes me actually. It empowers me and relaxes me. I love the outdoors. I'll be, you know, I can't run anymore with broken Achilles tendon, but I'll still be on long walks. Um, I've got music. Music's uh, again. I, I, I suppose people can't. I've got this 1986 uh, Roland keyboard um, that I get immersed and lost into at times. Oh um, well. So you know all of these little things. Do you, do, you, do you listen to music while you're working? Uh, yes, I, I do listen to music while I'm working. I need auditory input, otherwise life seems yeah. to. Yeah. 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 Do you know what the first CD I ever bought? It's very interesting. The first CD I ever bought was Enigma's Return to Consciousness. Uh, Enigma. 2. Oh wow! And oh, uh, wow. It's, it's funny, but it, I think it was, it was it came free with the music system we bought or something like that. But that kind of music's really embedded into my brain when I work. Instrumental mm -hmm. music with panpipes and all that sort of yeah. interesting thing. You know, it, it, it's really uh, is, is is when my brain ticks along. What music do you guys like? I have an eclectic mix of everything, which I think is great. The only thing I'm not particularly keen on is rap, and uh, I don't really like grunge. But I, I listen to anything. Really. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, have I a particular. It's... Yeah, I'm, I, I think that kind of electric synthesized stuff. I'm not a massive fan of that. Oh, um, bring back the eighties. I was never really into punk music either. Oh. But kind of mid-tier rocks. Quite, Can't beat a bit of punk. <laughs> Can't beat a bit. I've, had, I've got this vision in my head of you like spinning round in your chair and doing, you know, knocking out Van Halen or Jump or something on the keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> See if that you can do a little nice bit of Depeche Mode or whatever. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, I, I think it's just creativity. Creativity is great. But you know what, Chris, you said something really interesting, time management. And, uh, you know, I bring this back because management is, uh, when you say I'm managing something, actually you're translating to I'm controlling something. But the truth is you can't manage time because you can never control time. The, the, the clock is always ticking away. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and, and, and do you know what? The, one of these things, I was telling somebody last week, I get up every day in the morning. I sort of say, what would I do if this was the last day on my on, on the planet Earth uh, for me? Um, and that, that question really friggin' opens up a whole sense of thinking, you know, because you suddenly realize if this was the last day of me i better do something useful here i'm not going to be able to manage the time but i can use it wisely and every moment mm. then suddenly has something important it's it's not doing stuff it's it's doing stuff that adds value to others and creating memories mm. Mm. Yeah. Is, is, is legacy important to you Drew? 
the leg is important. I don't know about the legacy at the moment, but you know <laughs> yeah. is that the good leg or the bad leg? Um, good leg. But you know what? Legacy happens. It, it's it's not for me to decide. Legacy mm. happens or not. Um, what's important to me is simply waking up and making sure we just create something brilliant for people who are living every day. You know, the world is hard enough for everyone. The challenges are hard enough. What can we do? to enable people to get over those, get on to their loved ones and you know, just give each other a big hug. And mm. if somebody wakes up each day and goes, you know what, that helped me, thank you, that's all that matters. Legacy is mm. not yeah. for us to choose, it's for the books uh, to decide. I always enjoy talking to Drusha. He's great. Fascinating story. Yeah. Brilliant story. Uh, it's nice, isn't it? It's, it's, I always find it interesting when you think you know people reasonably well and you talk about different bits and you move a few things forward. But there's a bit of their, their journey that you don't quite get. And I didn't know in the beginning, the Kenyan thing no. coming over. And coming over as an 18-year-old guy from Kenya on your own. And, and then landing in Sheffield. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's another one, isn't it, of, of, in a way, overcoming adversity. You know, not only do you rock up on your own, and then mm. you get interrogated by customs yeah. and immigration. But then halfway through your course, you're told you haven't mm. got any money. So then you've got to go, oh. and, you know, you've got to, you know, the, uh, what is it, whatever those uh, chocolate biscuits were. Oh, you know, and the Maryland cookies. The Maryland cookies. Yeah. You know, unbelievable. But unbelievable also, story. His, his passion, when he realised that he wanted to help educate people and elevate people, you could almost see the whole energy come out of him mm. where he thought, I've found the thing that I'm here to do. And that really kicked on the entire yeah. tubals. It, it gave birth to the foundation yeah. and all the other things you've got in the pipeline as well. Well, I must admit, I had no idea that 2017 things were quite so sneaky. No. I mean, man, no. man. And I imagine at the time, lots of the people working with him probably didn't know either. Mm. It's, it's only now as we've come through it that he can reflect. Yeah. And it sounds like it was, um, it's very interesting. it was very hard. I thought it was quite interesting when he said that when he wanted people, some of those people, they didn't respond to him. Yeah. So I thought it was quite, and people didn't answer emails or messages or texts. And I was just like, mm, that's interesting. Mm. That's Even interesting. if you can't provide safe financial support, you can provide support yeah. in lots of other ways. Or you can be honest rather than just running for the hills yeah. and hoping that no one will notice. Mm. Oh, no, I think, I think the listeners will take a lot from that It was brilliant. A lot from it that was one. really, really Thank good. you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.